One of the things that's been kind of interesting during this whole time of social distancing and mask wearing is figuring how, out how to greet someone. Uh, we had a neighbor that broke down in front of our driveway, and so I went down to just see, hey, did you need any help? Not that I could help them out mechanically with their car, uh, but just see if they needed anything, if they needed a bottle of water. And she said, no, we're getting towed or anything, but we hadn't met yet, and so the gentleman extended his hand to say hello and introduced himself, and so I took it and shook it. And I know, like I was thinking back through after that, man, how long has it been since I've actually like shaken somebody's hand? Is that how you say that, shaken somebody's hand? Or how, last time I shook somebody's hand? I, I, don't, I don't know, like it's, it's been a little, a little bit. I was thinking about a couple months ago, I was in Lowe's and I was in line and we were waiting uh, and it was taking a while uh, because everybody's been going to Lowe's the last four months. And so we're standing there in line, and I was talking with someone, making a joke with them. And then later, as I got in the car and I drove away, I was wondering, did they actually, like, get that I was joking around as we were standing there waiting because I had a mask on, and I don't know that they could see me smiling or laughing or anything about that. And so it's been kind of interesting figuring out, uh, like, do we give air fives, air hugs, whatever that could be. Uh, even in the most normal of times, though, especially for someone who knows that they're an introvert, even you know, normal greetings sometimes can seem awkward. So, uh, like, what do you say? Uh, does somebody, is, are they going in for the handshake or going in for the fist bump? Are they really just wanting to wave? I mean, some people are huggers, like they're just going to come up to you and give you a hug immediately, even though they don't know you. And so that's always kind of interesting trying to figure out which one uh, you're going to pick. Different social circumstances call for different conventions. And so I know, like, when we have our first in-person service next week, since March 8th of this year, uh, that it's going to be a little bit interesting as we regather together and everybody's kind of like, okay, like, oh, it's really great to see you, but how, like, how do we, how do we interact uh, through that? It'll be a little bit different than we're used to, but church greetings have changed throughout the centuries anyway. In fact, in the end of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, greet one another with a holy kiss. And think back to the last time you did that in church. It's probably been a while. Uh, for me, it's been never. And I don't think it's something that we're going to start trying to institute uh, even in the most normal of times. And so uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, there's another greeting, though, that is the impetus for this message and this sermon. And it's one that Paul uses regularly throughout his letters. And he says, grace and peace. Um, he introduces his letters with this greeting. You'll, you'll even find Jesus using the phrase, peace be with you. And you may know that in ancient Hebrew, there's not really a word specifically for hello and goodbye the way that we use them, but they would often greet them each other by saying peace. Uh, shalom is the Hebrew word that they would use. And that word appears over 400 times in Scripture. And in the Old Testament, and when that word is used, it's used to refer to a state of wholeness, completeness, and harmony that is intended to resonate in all relationships. When used as a greeting, it was a wish for outward freedom from disturbance, as well as an inward sense of well-being. And to a people constantly harassed by enemies, to wish peace and to seek it from one another was a premier blessing. Uh, shalom it wasn't reduced to just a greeting, however. It was a state of being that's considered to be reflective of the nature of God and his concern and care for his people. And there's a godly standard of care and concern that we ought to have for one another and the people that are around us in our life. 
there's a, a church liturgical tradition. Some of you have experienced this in your faith backgrounds called a passing of the peace. And the idea of that is to spread that sense of shalom among the family of God. When we use the word peace, uh, a lot of times when I'm using the word peace, we're generally referring to the absence of conflict, a place where we can get away from it all. And so whether or not that's a cabin in the woods, maybe that's a beach in the Caribbean, maybe uh, a tent somewhere. Uh, for those of us that you know, have kids, oftentimes it's the bathroom. That's where we go to hide uh, to get just a little bit of peace. Um, you, know, you know, you do what you need to do. At the beginning of uh, this past week, I took a couple days off and went to the river just for peace, just for quiet. I took a couple pictures. Uh, they'll come up on the screen, and maybe those will be like a small reflection of what that was like. And uh, I would have liked to have stayed there much, much longer last week uh, to enjoy that peace. But the way that Scripture talks about peace and, and what shalom really means for us and what God wants for the world to experience, um, it, it isn't a form of escapism as much as it is a way in which we engage in the world around us. And so shalom means completeness, and that's the conception of peace, that there are some things that are incomplete in our lives in a world broken by sin, and so that's what we want to seek out. Peace is a pursuit and not a destination. In the most famous compilation of Jesus' teaching, it's in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, it's referred to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus specifically talks about peace in a particular context in his introduction. And so I want to read for you uh, those first 12 verses from Matthew chapter 5, his introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Verse 9 is the one that we're going to key on this morning. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, as we looked at the month of July and knew that it was going to be a month of standalone sermons, we tried to think about particular topics that would be timely for us as we are in this interesting season as a world and as a people and as a church. And pursuing peace is one of those important topics because as Jesus brings this up, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Um, this is the activity, peacemaking, uh, that is in keeping with being the people that God created us to be. Jesus is talking about the character that is evident in someone who is a child of God. And so we should be able to look at each other. We should be look, able to look at fellow Christ followers and say, I recognize them as a child of God because they are a peacemaker. And again, this is more about what we pursue in life rather than a state of being that we rest in or that we desire to stay in. And this is why Jesus says, I think, blessed are the peacemakers and not blessed are the peacekeepers. 
Listen, when I'm a peacekeeper, I'm much more focused on how I want to feel and be in the moment and not necessarily what's best for me or others in the moment. If things are loud and obnoxious and boisterous at home, I ask Renee to cut it out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the kids have been cooped up uh, too long. Maybe, maybe they aren't playing well with each other. There are times when I just want to tell them, and I do tell them, to just go to their rooms. And sometimes that's, just, that's enough. They don't need any explanation. They just need to go to the rooms, and that's fine. I'm just over it, and I want peacefulness. However, if I never discipline them, if I never show them a better way of interacting with each other, how they should speak to each other, how they should treat one another, then I'm neglecting my role as a peacemaker in their lives. And so one of, the, one of the questions I think we have to wrestle with as followers of Jesus is, are we peacemakers or are we peacekeepers? Peacekeepers are preserving the peace. That's, that's how it's defined. Uh, that's what peacekeepers are concerned with, and that's it. And don't get me wrong, we need people who preserve peace. We need peacekeepers in our lives and around the world. However, uh, when we're talking about us being peacekeepers versus peacemakers in our lives, we're talking about the difference of saying, oh, I don't want my bubble burst. I don't, I don't want anything to change in my life. I just want to be at rest and not have to deal with anything. That's the kind of peacekeepers uh, you know, that, that we become when we're concerned about those things versus peacemakers who are those who make peace, especially by reconciling parties at variance. Now, if that isn't timely for today, I don't know when it would be. And Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Children of God are those who are up to what God is up to. Jesus says very early on in his life, I am supposed to be about my father's business. And, And that is a theme throughout his ministry. It's not focused on him, even though we are focused on him. It's focused on who God has called him to be and what God has called him to do. And God looks at Jesus and he says, I am well pleased in my son. As followers of Jesus, we've been called into being peacemakers, the ministry of reconciliation, as Paul refers to it later, later on. Um, and that fits right in with that definition of reconciling parties at variance. And, and this is where the influence of the kingdom of God way of living and the kingdom of the world way of living brings us in tension with one another and with the realities that are around us. Our natural proclivities, uh, you know, are against the redeemed intended way of living that we were created for. You know, the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking are are things like this. Peacekeeping is what families do when they sweep generational pain under the rug, you know, just to get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas and act like nothing's wrong and nothing's ever happened. Uh, Peacemaking is what families do when they actually work out their problems together so they can actually enjoy their time together. Peacekeeping is what we do when we ignore the realities of change for our own sense of equilibrium. And so it's kind of the, you know, cover up our ears and say, no, 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 I'm not listening uh, kind of way of living. Peacemaking, however, is when we understand change doesn't actually take anything away from the immovable truths that we are anchored to as followers of Jesus. And that's what we're called to reconcile to, or, or I should say who we're called to reconcile to. Shalom is used in reference to safety, soundness and body, welfare, health, prosperity, friendship, 
shalom is used in reference to human relationships. It's used with God, especially in covenant relationship. And basically, as you read through Scripture, um, particularly the Old Testament, it's used in three major categories. In nature, of which we're given stewardship. In humanity, with which we are given companionship. And with God, with who we are given relationship. And like I mentioned before, in a world that's broken and marred by sin, there are ample opportunities to seek peace with the world around us. The way that we interact with our environment, the way that we interact with our own bodies, are opportunities for peacemaking. The way we interact with our neighbor and even our enemy, those are all opportunities for peacemaking. The way in which we anticipate our hope of eternity on earth as it is in heaven is an opportunity for peacemaking. I love this quote from N.T. Wright. Uh, that he shares in Surprised by Hope. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. And so we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so harmony, wholeness, completeness, the shalom is tied to being holy, pursuing the life that God has called us to and causes us as image bearers to reflect and show other people Jesus. And so we can look behind us in our lives and see the wake that we leave behind and we can ask ourselves, hey, as a peacemaker, are people able to see Jesus through the holiness that I'm pursuing in my life? It means when we're wrong, we make a real apology. It means when we're right, we don't lord it over others. It means that when we have been wronged, we turn the other cheek. You know, we don't go to war with that person because to turn the other cheek recognizes the peace that God has already made with us and shows Jesus to others. To be at peace, you know, we, we really need to recognize what we're actually at war with to begin with. As a Christian, you may have people who view you as an enemy, but our struggle isn't against other people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the evil introduced into the world through our sin. In Ephesians 6, chapter 12, Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And when we don't feel at peace, we're often primarily concerned with who we don't feel at peace with. But as peacemakers, we recognize that the, world, the war has already been won, that in fact we were once the enemy, and that we live victoriously knowing that the war is won by inviting others to be with us as we are with God. And look, there's going to be tension. Uh, this world is not our home. And as we pursue holiness the way that God calls us to pursue holiness throughout Scripture, um, it will put us at odds with the world. But that also helps us stay on point. Odds are, if we're arguing and complaining about what everyone else is arguing and complaining about, uh, then chances are we're caught up more in this kingdom than we are with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, that's where we have our citizenship. And the way we conquer the world is through peacemaking. Making peace between man and God, man and man, man and creation. And maybe it's not that we need to adopt an ancient form of greeting and start saying shalom uh, to each other or saying peace out, man, uh, and start bringing that back. But if you found your definition of peace being somewhat similar to either avoiding awkward situations or arguing someone down rather than pursuing reconciliation, uh, then 
Maybe you'll begin to narrow down why you haven't been experiencing peace lately. But as we repent, and as we pursue holiness through peacemaking to allow God's image to shine and reflect off of our lives, Jesus uh, continues to give us peace as we pray and we read God's word uh, through the Holy Spirit. And his promise is to counsel and advocate for us as we show him to others through peace. And so this week, I just want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in what peacemaking looks like in your life. And so ask yourself, what is true about the peace that Jesus gives? And so regardless of what else is going on in my life, what is true about the peace that Jesus has already given me, the victory that he's already won over sin and death that I've been invited into and am now a child of God as a result of, that I'm made whole by the Spirit? You know, what truths do you need to be reminded of about God's holiness that's given to us through Scripture? And maybe there's something unresolved uh, that, that's nagging at you, and maybe it's something that you're thinking about right now that you know, oh man, that's, that is not an area of peace in my life right now. Where are you, where am I stopping short in peacemaking? Maybe uh, there's a road, there's a hill, there's a mountain of conflict that we've been avoiding, or maybe that we just haven't really we haven't really tried yet, and we know that we need to go just those extra few steps or even that extra mile with that person or that situation uh, to be a peacemaker. And finally, ask yourself, what peace is there that you cannot control that you can give to God, this peace that you want that you can't quite get to on your own? You know, we can make every effort to be at peace with everyone and it not happen. Believe me, I, I've tried. That, that's, that's a goal for me, and it doesn't always work. Um, the pinnacle of a sin-broken world is the inability to correct sin on our own, whether it's in nature, humanity, or with God. But that's okay, because that's what Jesus does, and that's what he takes care of. We can be peacemakers because Jesus has given us a peace that doesn't pass away. And so, if that's not an, a peace that you've experienced at all yet in your life, then I would love the opportunity to talk to you more about what that looks like and, and who Jesus is and how starting on a journey of faith, taking that next step, what that means for you and what it means to live a life that pursues the holiness of God through Jesus Christ. I, I can't wait to have that conversation with you if that's something that you've been struggling with or wrestling with, that kind of peace that doesn't pass away, that passes understanding. If you've never entered into that or experienced that before, I would love for you to reach out. Let us know at velocitychurch.info. Leave a comment. Send us a DM, whatever it is. We're ready to have that conversation with you. But specifically as a follower of Jesus, if it's been a while since you've experienced peace, and maybe some of the things that are going on around you kind of are distracting you from, from being a peacemaker at all, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that you can do is ask yourself these three questions throughout the week, but, but you can also think through about the conversations that you're having, the media that you're consuming, um, the people who are speaking into your life, and, and ask yourself, are these things leading me or leading others to the gospel of Jesus? Because there are plenty of other gospels out right now. There are plenty of other newsworthy items that people are calling attention to uh, for people to be consumed in, wrapped up in, to pursue. And not all of those things are bad. However, when we exclude the good news of Jesus, 
and the peacemaking that that's meant to bring to our lives, and we don't see the world through that lens, it robs us of our peace. It, it misses the victory that's already been won through Jesus. And, and one of the reasons every week at Velocity that we take communion together is to remind us of that, that Jesus has won the victory over sin and death, and that's why we can have a peace that doesn't change based on circumstance. It doesn't change based on other people. It doesn't change based on the way that we feel in the moment. It is always steady. It is never changing. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he has brought us peace. As we take communion this morning, I just want to encourage you to meditate on what it means to experience and live out the peace that Jesus gives through his death, burial, and resurrection for us. As he makes peace between us and God, and we pursue peace between us and others. Let's pray. God, being a peacemaker is not an easy task, and so we know that we need you in order to accomplish it, that, that you're the only one who can really make it, make it work. And so, God, as we deal with whatever is going on in our lives, we ask that you remind us through your spirit of what it means to live out uh, the peace that you provide for us. God, as we share in this time of communion, we, we thank you for the victory that Jesus has already won. And God, we, uh, we ask that you help us to live victoriously and share that victory with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.